God, how grateful we are that you continue to teach us and shape us and mold us, that you are never done with us. So God, this morning we ask that as we place our lives before your word, may it change us, open our ears and our hearts to hear from you. Amen. For hundreds of years, all the Israelites have known is Egypt, Pharaoh's rule, and slavery. Back-breaking work, day in and day out, in the heat of the sun, as the people make bricks for Pharaoh's economy. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out, Exodus 2 tells us. Out of their slavery, their cry for help rose up to God, and God remembered his covenant. And then Moses shows up. The Israelite who was raised in Pharaoh's own home, the killer who fled town so many years ago, has returned, sent by Yahweh, here to deliver the people from slavery. And our text this morning finds the Israelites after they have fled Egypt, and now they journey through the wilderness by stages, as God commanded. They camped at Rephidim, where there was no water to drink. And so the people begin to fight with Moses. Give us water to drink, they say. Why did you bring us out, to e- out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock that we might die of thirst? The people come so strongly at Moses that he's afraid that they're gonna kill him. Moses cries out to God, what am I to do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. It's an intense scene. The effects of dehydration are magnified often in the heat, can cause irritability, dizziness, and confusion. Right, Dr. Hal? And I'm sure a growing sense of fear and anxiety at the thought of dying of thirst. What's the longest you've ever gone without water? My longest stint without water came on a camping trip. After I had graduated college, a friend and I camped down nearby ocean shores. This friend of mine who had been wanting to go camping for a very long time said that he would take care of everything. He had a place for us to go camp on. He would take care of all the supplies. He would drive. All I had to do was show up. It's a pretty good deal. So he picked me up and we drove from Seattle down to the Ocean Shores area. And the land that we camped on uh, that belonged to a friend of his was actually just an empty residential lot in the middle of a neighborhood. And so we set up our tent, we continued, we were gonna camp no matter what. We set up our tent between two houses in a cul-de-sac where people would be walking their dogs the next morning, where the mailman would drive by. We looked like a couple of drifters. 
My friend who had brought all the supplies showed me our rations for the next day and a half. Two family-sized bags of Doritos and a six-pack of soda. Absolutely no water. No proper source of hydration or nutrition. And by the end of our camping trip, by the end of the next day, we were queasy and grouchy. And if I heard one more little Dorito chip in my friend's mouth, I was going to lose it. And that's after one day without water. What's the longest you've ever gone without water? The people were thirsty when they began to fight with Moses. And he says to them, why are you fighting with me? And why are you testing God? It's interesting that Moses says that the Israelites tested God. When in fact, wasn't it God who brought the people to a land in the middle of the wilderness where there was no water? It makes you wonder who is testing whom here. Actually, the Old Testament is perfectly comfortable with God testing his people. There are numerous examples. You think of Abraham and Isaac or Job. But the shoe doesn't always go on the other foot in this situation. It is forbidden for God's people to test him. Referencing this event, Deuteronomy 6.16 says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did in Massah. Moses will go on to name this place where this event happened as Massah and Meribah, meaning to test and fight, because the people fought with God. After all they had seen God do for them, they still come to a place and say, Is the Lord among us or not? In truth, asking the question, is the Lord among us or not, well, in and of itself isn't really testing God. Testing God, as one scholar put it, has to do with putting God to the proof. Meaning, we are trying to seek a way in which God can be coursed or pushed or manipulated into showing himself. The people come to Moses in the middle of the desert where there is no water and say to Moses, give us water to drink. They know that Moses doesn't have a secret stash of water. What do they expect? God, if you are truly with us, make water materialize. Testing God is demanding that he jump through our hoops and make himself answerable and accountable to us. We seek to claim sovereignty and control God when that belongs in his hands. The people have been liberated from the greatest military of the age. And after rescue from slavery, the great plagues, Passover, crossing the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army being thrown into the sea, bread raining from heaven, God has been faithful again and again and again. And for the first time, the people finally come to a place where there is no water. And their first response is to fight and test God? 
Is God really among us or not? God wants their trust so badly and they choose to test him instead. How quickly the people forget. How quickly we can forget. The people who are so willing to abandon their faith in the face of uncertainty and fear. This is, after all, the same group of people who, not too long from this moment, will forsake God while Moses lingers on Mount Sinai. They will make from precious metal an idol, a golden calf that they will worship. These are your gods who rescued you from Egypt, Aaron will cry. When Moses calls out to God in verse 4, saying, What shall I do with this people? God doesn't waste any time. Go on ahead of the people and take some elders with you. Take the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I'll be standing in front of you on the rock at Horeb. In their thirst, God provides water from the rock at Horeb. Now Horeb also means Sinai as in Mount Sinai, as in the place where Moses will soon receive God's law. Go to the rock where you're gonna receive the law soon in that place and I'm going to provide you water. God is slowly leading his people on a pathway of trust and surrender and dependence as he's preparing them to receive his teaching, his law the sacred Torah. God gives his people water and law. The gift of life, water, and the gift and the ability to love God and love each other well. Law, teaching. At its heart, God's law isn't about restricting us and telling us what you can and can't do, but it's about empowering us as a community to flourish together. In fact, Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Meaning, Jesus fulfills and lives out the true purpose and meaning of the law by showing all of us what it means to love God and love our neighbor. And as you know, Exodus, the book from which we are reading this story this morning, is a story all about God's faithfulness. To rescue his people from the bondage of slavery and lead them to the promised land. And for Israel to survive this journey And for Israel to become the people that God has destined them to be, to be a people who can one day be a blessing to all other nations, for them to become that people, they need to learn to depend and follow God every single step of the way. God is trying to teach them to have faith in him because they are a part of a bigger story. Through this people, the light of the world, Jesus Christ, will come. Through this people, blessing and peace will come. God is preparing them for something so much larger 
than the wilderness. The challenges that they face, like being led to a place where there is no water, these challenges are far from pointless. The wilderness can often seem like a God-forsaken place, but it's not. Remember, they were being led there by God. And God's leading does not always direct us toward the oasis. And when you're being led in your life to those places that make no sense, to those places that cause you pain, to those places that make you feel like there is no water, I cannot explain why God has you there. But I do know that you are not alone while you're there. He's been there for you before and he will continue to be there for you again. Maybe not in the ways that you expect and maybe not from the places that you thought. But after all, this is the God who brings water from rock. God wants you to trust him. To to believe that you can have a deeper faith and a deeper understanding of him. God gave his people water and law. Teaching and life. And frankly, we tend to learn through trial and failure. And for us to become the people that God wants us to be, a blessing for others, well, sometimes the greatest gifts you have to offer is the wisdom that you gain in your time in the wilderness. And if we can learn anything from Israel's story in Exodus, it's that the more stubborn we are, the more we demand to have control, then the longer and more difficult our path through the wilderness becomes as we continue to relearn and relearn the same old lessons. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I will bring water that will become a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Friends, eternal life, life, which is something that we can taste and we can experience in the present, only comes by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. And it's more than just an abstract believing that there is a God. Faith is about believing that even in life's hardest moments, that God is with you and still at work. It's a trust in God. When it gets hard, is your first response to assume the worst of God? that he's out to get you or that he has forsaken you. So you can either fight him or try to control him or even abandon him. Or when life gets hard and we are led into the wilderness, do we persist in faith? Continue to trust that he is at work even though we don't understand it. Water from rock, I still don't get it, but God, I trust you.
Heed the warning of Israel, who after seeing God's constant faithfulness again and again, still were so quick to forsake him. Is God with us or not, they say. Instead, in all the stages of your exodus journey, from the bondage of sin and dysfunction, as God leads you to the promised land of his kingdom and shalom, I say to this, cling to Jesus. Even when you don't understand what's going on, even when life is hard, cling to Jesus. And those words when he says, the water I give you will become life, that'll take on a whole nother meaning. And the law and the teaching that Jesus gives will take on a whole nother meaning. The law and the teaching of love. That is the new Torah, the fulfillment of Torah. Water and law. Those are the gifts that God gives us in the wilderness. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask that you would teach us the difference between testing you and trusting you. Lord, teach us to follow you instead of seeking to control you. God, help us to surrender our lives completely into your hands. May we have a greater faith, a greater trust, and a greater understanding of your teaching, O Lord. And God, as we prepare our tithes and our offerings this morning, we ask that you would take these gifts as an act of worship and sacrifice and maximize them and use them for your glory. For you and you alone are king and God and sovereign, and we love you so dearly. Amen.